As a coach and scouting executive in the NFL, I always hate to talk about or anticipate or call for the firing of coaches. Uh, I know how hard the job is. I know sometimes you do things well and they don't work out. Yet the, you're on the right path and there's not enough patience. But there are other cases where you see pretty clearly that it's not working and it's only going to get worse. And as someone who now serves as a consultant to NFL teams and college programs on coaching evaluations, player evaluations, front office evaluations, and helping advise what direction they should go, this was coming down the pike for some time. And though I hate it, Personally, I completely believe that the charges have taken step backs, uh, multiple step backs under Brandon Staley and Tom Telesco. Now, whether it's going to work out in the future, uh, that's what we're going to talk about. But we're going to talk today about why we have talked so fervently about the problems with the chargers and why it was beyond time, quite frankly to move on from Brandon Staley and Tom Colesco. That is the topic of today's Landry Football Podcast. If you want further details and breakdowns on this topic and others, all the coaching searches, college and NFL, yeah, there's still a lot of college assistant coaching movement. We got to cover it for you at LandryFootball.com. Take advantage of the holiday savings special today to get the best information and analysis on the game of college football and the NFL at LandryFootball.com. Whether it involves players, teams, coaches, schemes, we got you covered from a playing, coaching, scouting, and front office perspective. That's what we bring to the table for you is that type of experience, not some writer that is trying to get inside information, but people that are working on the inside that are crafting these decisions or part of it. That's what we provide for you at LandryFootball.com. So take advantage of our holiday savings special today. And subscribe, like, and share the Landry Football Podcast Network on Apple, on Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. <clears throat> Pardon me. With the Chargers' backs against the wall at 5-8, and eight, and Justin Herbert sidelined with a broken finger, you know the final straw came to, down to a 63-21 loss to the Raiders. We know how this works. An owner in, the, in their family were embarrassed by this performance against the hated Raiders. And I shouldn't say hated because of the teams in the old AFC West, the Raiders always hated the Chiefs and the Broncos. The team they got along well with the best was the Chargers. But make no mistake that competitively it was fierce and has been fierce. To lose this game was an embarrassment. It should have been seen to come and maybe not the – the degree of it. But here's what that loss showed. It showed the complete lack of focus, lack of preparation, and quite frankly, that Charger team quit on their coach, and that's when it's over. As long as you're fighting, you got a chance. As long as you're working, you got a chance. You got a chance to get better. Doesn't guarantee you that you're going to win. But what that was a display of is a we are not going to fight for you. We don't believe in you by the players. Now, mistakes have been made leading up to this point. But that's the final straw. 
And yeah, Justin Herbert's out. Folks, there have been problems and underachieving with Justin Herbert, with all the players that are now injured that were healthy. The roster is not well built. They did not have a lot of depth. They've had issues. They've not done a very good job with the offensive line. They've not found enough weapons for Justin Herbert. They do have a great talent at quarterback. They have not done enough on the defensive side. They have made poor decisions. And quite frankly, a big part of the reason for their failure is not just bad coaching by the head coach, but a bad job by their general manager, Tom Pelesco. Um, you know, by the middle of the second quarter in the Raiders, the Raiders had scored 35 points, the most they had scored all season. Reminder, this is a Raiders team that couldn't score one point against the Vikings last week. And they were up 42-0, had scored 42 points before the half. <clears throat> the Chargers played an even 21-21 in the second half. Because mainly the Raiders had basically called off the talks. It was the death nail for this Georgia team. The offensive stars have fallen one by one in a way that could only could happen to the Chargers. Now, look, you lose key players, it's no doubt going to affect you. But you have to have the foresight and the ability as a front office and as a coaching staff to build good reinforcements, and you have to have a plan to work around some of the injuries. They didn't do it. They were poor doing it. Mike Williams suffered a torn ACL in September. And it put the entire burden of the offense onto Herbert and Keenan Allen. Folks, it's not going to work. You're not going to win that way. The two made it work for the better part of three months, as best they could. But Herbert's done for the year. And Allen missed Thursday night game with a heel injury. So what you saw was evidence of why you don't have the personnel is because you've not done a good job of building your roster. And that was the maybe the degree of embarrassment on how it was structured from a personnel standpoint, how they did not do a good enough job building this roster. The coaching's been bad. The, the dumb decisions that he's made time and time again as a head coach, that's well documented. That is on coaching. This loss <clears throat> was more on the front office and how they left them with a roster that had nothing. How the team quit is a reflection of the head coach. Easton Stick was strip sacked twice, once for a scoop and score. Running back Joshua Kelly coughed off the ball once in the first quarter. Punt returner Darius David fumbled on a return in the second quarter. And to open the fourth quarter, stick through a pick six on the screen. The Raiders recovered all of these fumbles in Chargers territory, too. Maybe you could pin the poor execution on coaching to a degree, but four fumbles all recovered by the defense and a pick six screen is a telltale sign that it's not your day. Well, what is not your day means? Let me tell you what it means is that you are not fighting and working hard and you're just throwing your hands up. The it's not your day comment by Brandon Staley tells you how weak of a coach he was. Because 
You make it your damn day. There's no such thing. It's not your day. The ball doesn't bounce your way. You make damn sure that the ball doesn't bounce. You make sure that you are in position to make plays, that you continue to fight. That's BS. It's not our day. You know, you can talk about starting defensive drives on your own side of the field. no way to live. But you got to get a stop at some point. And this defense that the head coach is calling is putrid. It's awful. It couldn't do it in the first half. They only did it in the second half because the Raiders were basically playing this very vanilla. No matter what the Raiders called, the team found the end zone. It's second, third, and fourth touchdown summing up that um, succinctly. On the Raiders' second touchdown of the night, Aiden O'Connell hit Trey Tupper for a deep strike from 30 yards out. Nice design concept to attack the Chargers' coverage, which, again, poorly played, poorly designed. Tupper ran a, a post route that bended from the number two spot from the trip side of the formation, but it was Jacoby Myers' in-breaking route in the, as the inside receiver that drew down the Chargers' safety. The safety, Aloni Gilman, triggered on Myers' route, giving Tucker an ocean of space in the end zone. The following drive, <clears throat> Myers straight up beat cornerback Michael Davis on a fade route from a tight uh, split versus man coverage. Myers stacked himself over Davis with ease, and O'Connell laid a perfect ball out to him on the pylon. Um, a few drives later, after Davis fumbled on a punt return, the Chargers broke coverage in the red zone. Las Vegas called a boot action play boundary uh, in, into the boundary from 11 yards out. Gilmore fired down um, to defend the run straightaway, either as an auto check to the Raiders' motion or because the run fake involved the puller um, that was too convincing not to believe. Either way, Gilman let the tight end Michael Mayo run free in the flat and waltz in for the easiest touchdown you're going to ever find. It's one thing to get caught in a bad coverage look, lose a one-on-one -on -one matchup, or blow a coverage, but to suffer all of these things in quick succession is an indication of a lack of focus, a lack of intensity, a lack of attention to detail, a lack of discipline. A season's worth of stress and misfortune. Poor timing ball down to 60 minutes of ball, but that view serves as a lens into the bigger picture of how the charges arrived here. There's nothing stalier the charges could really do about injuries to key players. That's not their fault. Williams being out from the season hurt them from the jump. And Herbert's broken finger nuked any shot of recovering the season. Even the center, Corey Lindsey, stabilizing for the, for the offense up front, has missed a large portion of the season with heart problems, you can't place that one under the team's typical injury rows. It's not just injuries from the season. Many of the Chargers theoretical stars have not played up to their standard in part of their health issue, in, in part because of their health issue. Uh, Rashawn Slater, second team all pros of rookie, has not looked the same after tearing a tendon in his bicep last year. Joey Bosa is no longer a pro bowler. Those are picks that looked like they were going to be really good and foundational players on both their offensive and defensive lines, respectively, and worked out. The same sentiment goes for Derwin James, who's really supposed to be a real key for the defense. Austin Eckler falls into a similar category, and that doesn't even include 
uh, starting safety Nasir Adam, suddenly retiring in March, forcing Gilman into the starting role. There isn't a roster in the league that could withstand all of its stars coming and crashing at once. But you've got to be better at finding younger guys that can play. I mentioned some some key star type guys, but the role players have not been developed. And that's where and have not been developed and not been identified. You know, letting a weird season slip away is no reason to fire a coach. Most, including me, thought that Staley should have been gone at the end of last year. And we thought that they should have spent the money, found a way, if you really want to win, and go out and hire Sean Payton. Sean Payton, with his daughter in Los Angeles, with Justin Herbert, would have definitely taken that job over the Broncos. If they had an ownership there that was willing to spend money, had the money to spend, and was committed to doing it. They weren't even committed, let's call it what it is, they were not wanting to give Staley another chance to be quote-unquote fair. The word inside there is they didn't want to spend the money. They wanted to ride it for another year. They could sell it to the public, to their fan base for another year that we think he's the guy. It lessens the cost that they're going to have to pay off now by one year. That's how they operate. Think about a Sean Payton, and, and he is a long way from getting things turned around in Denver. But you could see what he was able to do from the awful start there in Denver to what he's able to do now. And they lost big to Detroit on Saturday night. But you can see the direction, the clarity, the strong leadership. They tend to go for these younger guys that can be a play caller. You don't build a team that way very successfully. You have to, everybody, including the Mike McDaniels of the world that has all the toys of the offense. They have a vision. They have a better feel for it. They're trying to build and say, we're going to go and, you know, pick from what we're going to, we're going to do what the Rams did with Sean McVay. Sean McVay, is a better leader. He's better organized. He, his team's is more disciplined. You could give Staley a pass for all of it in his first season. And even does second degree his second season. But by year three, you got to produce something. Just the other factor is, and I know it's an ego thing when the media chastises you. And that's a tough market in Los Angeles. But, you know, he was arrogant to the point that he's not the problem. He's doing it right. Nothing wrong here. Of course there was. And his pedigree is on the defensive side. Where they've got one of the more expensive defensive rosters in the NFL. And that leads to the mistakes they've made in the front office. Heading into week three, the Chargers ranked 29th in yards allowed, 27th in yards per play. Last season, the Chargers ranked 20th in yards allowed and 29th yards per play allowed. This, with one of the more expensive defensive rosters, they're not, needless to say, kidding their money's worth. 
they're putting money in places where it's not working. So they've made bad decisions. Um, you know, this is Staley's first time as a head coach. <clears throat> he was coaching at John Carroll in Division Three as recently as 2016. He spent a short three years as an NFL position coach under Vic Fangio and one season as the Rams defensive coordinator. Okay, that's not enough. You know, Sean McVay had a lot more experience. Mike McDaniel had a lot more experience. And they were better coaches. This guy was just plucked off the Rams roster. It was like they noticed the guy in the neighborhood. And we're going to put that is too tough to put on him. I don't blame Brandon Staley. You get offered that job, you take it. I blame the Spanos family not having a strong football person in that building and poorly evaluating and not knowing how to hire a coach, which again is why someone I think needs to be someone that can run the front office because they don't have that. Tom Telesco hired as a GM. And again, he's got very spotty and very poor record overall as a decision maker from a scouting standpoint, but young guy hiring another young guy as a head coach, because it is not a threat to you is a recipe for disaster. Hiring a head coach that can handle, and I just said Sean Payton last year, because Sean Payton, ran the Saints. He made the personnel decisions for the Saints, and he's making them in Denver. He's got some experience. It's no guarantee that he's going to get it done there, but he's got experience doing it. Hiring a head coach that's going to have that authority to do it or hiring an experienced general manager to do a better job in assessing and hiring coaches with what they need to do. You know, I think it's going to come from an offensive side. Defensive coaches tend to take a long time to find themselves in really settling, settling in to being staples in the league. Most of the ones who get head coaching jobs have bounced around all over the league as coordinators, seeing all types of players, solving all sorts of different problems as they put together their Rolodex of schematic answers. Staley never had that. He had no experience. He had no idea how to handle problems. He came in and this is what he learned. This is what he thought. He just didn't have much experience. He went by this analytical book. He did this. The game was just like a, you know, a piece to him that was he was totally oblivious to. He didn't know what to do or how to do it, and it showed. They're starting anew, and it's, look, there are teams in the league that are lining up to try to figure out how to find a quarterback. The Chargers have one. And he is talented. You know, you better find someone that can work with him and develop him. There's a lot of talk. Ben Johnson would be great and he's got experience. He's an offensive coach. Makes some sense. You know, um, Jim Harbaugh has got experience with the Georgia organization. Is he going to be someone that the Spanos wants to work with? I don't know. <clears throat> there are a couple of ways that they can do it. Do they hire a GM? and get them involved in the process. Do they fire the GM 
so that it opens the door for a head coach that says, we'll give you both titles. It, they've got flexibility. But I think they've got to look at it, and I think they make a run at a head coach that, will, that they will feel is deserving of being able to do both, or at least not entitled, make the final decisions on personnel. There, I think, are going to, at least in a position, don't, don't know whether they're going to do it, but they're in a position to go out and get that guy. If they can't get that guy and they go for a Ben Johnson, then I think they need to find a general manager that can do those things. And have a say-so, a strong say-so, the major say-so in hiring the coach. We'll see how it works out. But it was beyond time. Brandon Staley, unfortunately, was just not prepared for this job. And it showed year one on. Tom Telesco, probably a little bit more experience, a little bit more prepared, just didn't do a consistent job. Found some stars, but couldn't build a roster the way you need to win uh, in this league. And so they move on. Another coaching opening. If you want further breakdowns on all the coaching openings in the world of the NFL and college football, we got it covered for you at LandryFootball.com with the breakdowns of all the games, all the teams, all the players, all the schemes from a coaching, scouting, front office perspective, playing perspective. We got it covered for you at LandryFootball.com. Give the gift of football to yourself this holiday season or to a loved one in your family. LandryFootball.com is where you want to go, where you want to be, LandryFootball.com. Also, subscribe, like, and share the Landry Football Podcast Network on Apple, on Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Appreciate you joining us. Talk to you again next time, everybody.